Need a powerful ally to fight daily bugs and serious pathogens? Allicin Med is the powerful universal pathogen killer's latest advance of German-sourced Allicin, enzymatically stabilized to clear the body of bacteria, fungi, mycobacteria, and parasites. It penetrates body biofilms and is non-toxic to tissues. Pathogen resistance cannot develop for long-term body-optimized wellness. Clear stealth pathogens that promote autoimmune disease, cancer and vascular inflammation and plaque and promote healing of tissues. Now pathogen-free. With 200 milligrams more power than prior Alamed, you can't get a more powerful ally to fight daily bugs and serious pathogens. Give your body what it needs. Allison Med. Order Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutridyne at 888-212-8871 or Nutramedical.com. That's 1-888-212-8871 or Nutramedical.com. And listen to the Nutramedical Report on the Genesis Radio Network with open lines every weekday. Nutramedical.com, bringing nutrition and medicine together. This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. And welcome back, and uh, this is November 2nd, and we actually have uh, the uh, 7th for Heaven sale, actually it's a heaven, or saints, S-A-I-N-T-S, because yesterday was All Saints Day, according to the so-called calendar, which is Roman Catholic, I don't really agree with these dates, because I think they're conversion of ancient pagan holidays, which are unholy days. In fact, the October 31st was the Day of the Dead, the highest of the eight unholy days of the Druidic calendar. Uh, this event that happened on the 31st, I want uh, Dr. Bob Teal, who's a senior person within the Continuing Church of God, to come and give us our spiritual and religious analysis of how bad this is. But uh, the declaration is very prophetic uh, because the Pope had declared at the end of the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation that one quarter of Christians have apostately attacked them, attached themselves to the apostate, druidic, and pagan so-called Catholic Jesuit Church of Pope uh, Francis, who calls himself Francis from Francis of Assisi as part of his scam, and uh, this is a very evil thing. I mean, people don't understand just when the Pope says that you can't have a personal relationship with Jesus or God, that you can't uh, have uh, one of the real holy days, like, for example, the Sabbath day, that uh, this, and he doesn't even look at the fact that the prophetic unveiling of these events is very disgusting, but it tells us the time and season we're in. So, Dr. Bob, tell us what's going on, because I, I am shocked and amazed that the average person, the average Christian, doesn't even understand how serious this is, do they? Well, a lot of stuff went on. You mentioned December, excuse me, October 31st. Let's talk about that. Um, right. And what most people know about uh, October 31st is a holiday, Halloween is a holiday. Um, it was originally uh, All Hallows' Eve. It came from... Uh, Originally, I think Catholics claimed that they started from May. And then when they went to convert the Druids, as you alluded to, they decided they needed to change the date and time. And that happened. You also mentioned the Day of the Dead. And one thing, since you and I are in California, that I've noticed is that nobody used to ever talk about the Day of the Dead. It was no big deal. But a couple of years ago, there were a couple of movies that came out about it. One was a cartoon, animated flick from Hollywood. 
Right. And now uh, you see stuff related to the Day of the Dead all over the place, and that's also not from, from the Bible. But a lot of people don't care, and the, this leads to the other thing that happened uh, on October 31st this year, and this is October 31st of 2017, marked the 500th anniversary of what's considered to be the of start of the Protestant Reformation. And basically, on uh, October 31st, 1517, it's believed that uh, a monk by the name of Martin Luther, which people have heard of, uh, went to a church, uh, the Wittenberg Church in Wittenberg, Germany, nailed 95 complaints against the Church of Rome, which was called 95 Theses, against this door of the church, that people came and read it, Eventually, it got torn down, but people tended to agree with it. Now, there's some argument whether or not Martin Luther actually physically put the nail these things to the door or not, but I think that's irrelevant. I saw the Washington Post talk about that kind of stuff. But right. the bigger thing about this was uh, 499 years later, which was last year on this date, Pope Francis went over to Sweden to start a year of commemoration of this thing, event. Now, you got to think about this. This event is considered to be the big thing that turned uh, the Lutherans and the Protestants, etc., they split from, from Rome. So you would think this would be something Rome would not endorse, and they would say, oh, this is a bad thing, you know, uh, we're against all this kind of stuff, uh, don't celebrate it. But instead you got the Pope going out and doing it, and then various people in his church going out and supporting this. So you think, well, well what gives? Well, what gives is that over time, Believe it or not, the Church of Rome admitted that Martin Luther was right about many of the points that he brought up. And I was just reading a new Catholic history book, which talked about myths against Catholicism, but I think the book is actually full of myths. But one of the things the book admits is that uh, the Church of Rome did need uh, to be reformed, if you will. They don't agree with how Martin Luther went about it, but they agreed that some reform was was needed. So yesterday, day before yesterday, was supposed to be in theory, this big celebration about why people shouldn't have been part of the Church of Rome. But instead, instead, if you looked at the, almost all the media coverage of this, it was basically about getting together. Over at my Cogwriter website, .com website, I have a picture, of a poster called Common Prayer from Conflict to Communion, Lutheran Catholic Common Commemoration of the Reformation in 2017. Now, by definition, this was not supposed to be a common thing at all. This was supposed to be, in a sense, a, a, uh, an observance of the revolt or Martin Luther drawing a line in the sand, if you will, between what he thought the Church of Rome should do and what they were doing. Now, people will say correctly, by the way, when Martin Luther did do this, he was not intending to start the Protestant Reformation, per se, he had hoped if he put this up there that he could get some kind of debate. And with this debate, and perhaps some things could be done. Uh, the Church of Rome actually wanted him to come to Rome. They offered him protection, but he, Martin Luther had seen what happened to somebody else who had complained before he got killed on the way over there, despite the so-called protection. So in time, uh, political leaders in Germany uh, and elsewhere decided, hey, this is a good opportunity to break from the Church of Rome because they didn't want to listen to Church of Rome. So a lot of times what happened was this was not theological. A lot of this was really political. And Martin Luther was considered useful for this. And there were other people who popped up who were considered useful, people like John Calvin, 
uh, Zwigli. I mean, these people, their names popped up, and these, these people also had issues with the Church of Rome. So we had the Protestant Reformation, and it turns out both sides were pretty violent. Uh, they killed one another, and one of the things that the Lutherans and the Catholics asked for during this 500th anniversary was to beg forgiveness for all the things that they did. But what's interesting is that they didn't really necessarily want forgiveness. They had their own agendas, and it was really just a political political thing. But now we see something different. We now see, instead of saying, hey, okay, no, I'm not Lutheran, but just say with the Lutherans, in theory, you would think they say, we're Lutherans, you know, we believe that uh, uh, Sola Scriptura, that Martin Luther claimed to believe, therefore we don't want to be part of the Church of Rome, but instead, uh, ever since the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s, there's been a lot of discussions about bringing together uh, the Church of Rome with the Protestants and the Eastern Orthodox, and this, this has accelerated. Back in uh, uh, 1999, there was a document that came out basically saying that the Catholics and the Lutherans fixed the last remaining issue of the Reformation, which is basically justification doctrine. And it, it gets technical, but basically the two sides say something different, but they word it slightly differently, so therefore they say they agree. <laughs> Uh, all right, I, I don't want to go into all that. Uh, so, so, in other words, they use a little sophistry to pretend they're in agreement about something that's still far apart. Yes, and still <clears> far <throat> apart from the Bible, but yes. Right, so, that, so, that, so, so right. justification, so the issue of justification is what? Because uh, this is important, because Pope basically says you can't have a personal relationship with God. This gets to the broader idea, what is the definition of evil? And I try to teach this on this show. The definition of evil is to do good in your own eyes. So it isn't necessarily something that looks vile. It's something where you're not consulting the Bible or God in prayer. And uh, if you don't have a personal relationship with God, even if you do things that you think are godly, they're not in God's will. They're evil by definition. Well, well you talked about uh, relationship with, <coughs> with God. Uh, now, this is kind of tricky when you talk about the Pope and all that. Basically, the Pope has a, a bunch of different criteria, it seems like, depending who he's speaking with. But yesterday or today, I saw it on the news today, so I don't know if he said it yet. I think it was probably yesterday. He again told people uh, to turn to Mary for intervention, to, to Mary. pray to Mary uh, to, to intercede for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, God's busy, so I'll go to his mother, and she'll, get, she'll pull his sleeve and get him to listen, right? Uh, well, the Bible says there's only one mediator between uh, God and man, that's Jesus Christ. Exactly. Mary or anybody else. <clears throat> right, the goddess of heaven, they call her, right? They called her the queen of heaven and a bunch of other... Uh, other blasphemies. Names. Yeah. No different than the ancient pagan god of heaven that the ancient druids and pagans believed in, right? That and Diana, the huntress. There you go. And uh, Dr. Bob, let's please continue with our analysis right. of this important date. Okay, so we had this 500th, <laughs> the commemoration of the 500th anniversary of the 95 Theses from Martin Luther. And again, right. instead of the Catholics and the Protestants saying, okay, we're separate because we don't like the Catholics, like we don't like Martin Luther, and the uh, Protestants, well, we didn't like what the Popes were doing, etc. Right. They've, they've changed. Now, the reality is, if you look at what Martin Luther wrote, he called the 
Pope the Antichrist and all this kind of stuff. And they're trying to get past all that kind of stuff and, and basically get together. Now, somebody sent me a, an email that uh, was from uh, the uh, Ecumenical and Interreligious Relations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And basically, they said that 60% of lay people, according to some survey that they did, right. want the churches to get together. And basically, what they're saying is okay, if you look around the world, you have groups like the Islamic State and Al Qaeda and other ones who are doing terrorism against people uh, who profess Christianity. Whether they're Christians or not, we won't go into all those details, but whether if, if people have any connection to Christianity, these the people in ISIS want them dead. So therefore, other people who have claimed some kind of connection to Christianity say, okay, then maybe all the Christians should get together. And they try to quote scriptures and whatever, but the fact that 60% wants to do this even surprised some of the ecumenical people. And we're going to see increasingly more and more people wanting to do this. And people say, well, wait a second, uh, doesn't doctrine matter? Well, actually, people decided that truth doesn't matter so much. They, they figure that the, the rationale, the way I understand it from the ecumenical types, is look, uh, we claim Jesus as our Savior, therefore we claim Christianity. Therefore, it doesn't matter um, if we do pagan ceremonies or we don't do pagan ceremonies, uh, if we teach this or that or the other thing, if we bow down before idols or we don't bow down before idols. Uh, we don't understand salvation. We don't understand the gospel. We disagree with the gospel is. None of that matters. <laughs> as long as we claim Christianity and we will all become under this one big tent, we're all happy. I mean, that's, well, that's it. I know you're laughing when you say that, but it's obviously so whacked and so non-logical and so is spiritually insane uh, in your face that it just defies decency so anyway that's a lot of louder saying now I've wondered based upon some things including uh, biblical prophecies and world events if we're seeing possibly the rise of the first horseman the apocalypse now, the first horseman of the apocalypse of uh, Revelation chapter 6 is the white horse. Right. And your listeners are probably familiar with some of this, but if you don't mind, let me just read the first two verses of Revelation 6. It says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. Then I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. He went out conquering and to conquer. Now, some claim that that white horse was... Uh, was Jesus? Some some people who've looked at this, but others say, no, no, no. This is talking about a false religion, you know, one that looks good. And I agree that this was not Jesus going out and doing this. Right, this is a false religion. And this it's, is this is ecumenism, isn't it? It's the ecumenical movement. Yes, because they're going to conquer, and they're going to get the world eventually to worship the beast. Right. And if you look, uh, and I'll refer to this probably later, but. It, Jesus' words in, let's say, Matthew 24, verses uh, 4 through 8, we talk about the beginning of sorrows. He says, look, people are going to say, I'm the Christ, and they're going to deceive many. Now, some people think that that just means people are going to say that they are the Messiah. No, these are talking, Jesus is talking about people are going to say, he's the Christ, and deceive many. And right. as, far as, as far as going out on a white horse, uh, you and your listeners, I'm pretty sure, would be aware of it. It's 2 Corinthians 11, verses 12 to 15 says we've got to be careful about false apostles, deceitful workers who transform themselves into apostles of Christ. 
I'm going to quote verse 14 here. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Verse 15. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose ends will be according to their works. Now, we've got people who look good. I mean, they're going out, to the, as far as the media is concerned, and they say, look, we don't want to have any more division. The media doesn't right. the Bible. Well, good. Look, look, look at the social media behind back in the Pope. He's got ten times more than... The, than the next most popular person, which is Donald Trump. Well, you've got these people saying, okay, this sounds like a good idea. You've got the, the United Nations, by the way, they bought into this ecumenical stuff. You've got the World Council of Churches. They put out their own peace plan a couple of years ago, and basically it's get, getting all the religions together to agree on some stuff. Now, if, if, if the World Council of Churches and the United Nations could get all the religions of the world together to just simply agree not to kill each other, Okay, that, that's the kind of agreement I'd like to see. I mean, I'd like them all converted to the true Christianity, but ignoring that for a second. If they want to have, get together as a world body and do something, if you can persuade uh, all the Islamic terrorists and all the jihadists and various ones of various religions uh, that they shouldn't go out and killing everybody else. Well, basically, it's jihadists. Here's what's going to happen, though, and I want to insert this right now. This agreement that uh, brings in so-called a quarter of all the Christian churches is a now going to be an open door to bring in Islam. And apparently the caliph, uh, that's the best friends of President Erdogan of Turkey, claims to be the final Mahdi and will bring peace between Sunni and Shiite Islam. And he even supports the Jewish sacrifice in the springs of Gihan, which means that the Vatican will probably be the ultimate ones to bring him into this sheepfold of this ultimate supra-religion or Gabramic religions that will expand to all religions and will be basically enforced, uh, which is why it's going to go forth to conquer and conquering. So if it conquers the world as a response to try to bring peace, uh, that literally this warrior going forward to bring peace to the world is actually the false prophet, basically. Correct, and, and those who are associated with him. And now, in terms of the timing of that, there's a couple of ways we can look at this. In one respect, if you go to the book of Acts, you see Simon Magus, and then he, according to uh, traditions that were written after the Bible, uh, went out to form a false religion. So, But he claimed that Jesus was the Christ, okay, at least from the nonsense I've read about what he, what he said. So he, he understood a couple of minor points. He got a lot of points that... Uh, he taught that, by the way, finally got adopted by the Church of Rome, which were not so good. But ignoring that for a moment, on one hand, you can say we've had false Christianity since the beginning. Uh, the Apostle John said, hey, look, there are these people. They were with us, but they weren't with us. If they were with us, they keep doing what we were doing, but they're not. So we know that there's been false Christians from the very beginning. But the book of Revelation wasn't written until probably around 90, 95, 80 or so. So this prophecy about a seal that wasn't open uh, was going to be open when John watches this, suggests that this is not a reference to something that started in the first century, but uh, very likely something that started in the 21st century. Right. And I have speculated that it could have started uh, or the, the ride accelerated if you will, if it hadn't started originally, accelerated perhaps back around uh, September of uh, 2009 because a bunch of interesting things happened in the fall of that particular year. Right. And one of which that a lot of people do not realize is the Eastern Orthodox, who were always pretty opposed to Rome. They split from Rome in 1054, what they call the Great Schism. 
started to have meetings where they started to say, hey, maybe we should support this. And when we come back on the other side of the break, because I could hear the music going. Yeah, they are being bumped again. And, of course, there also was a meeting last year before the elections in the summer of 2016 uh, where Barack Obama, the Vatican, and 72 world leaders met in New York to ratify this internal peace that they're talking about. Dr. Bob, um, I think your uh, your academic analysis and uh, your general direction is that either this pope or the definitely the next one, but this one shows all the criteria that he may be the white rider of the white horse, which is the false prophet riding for us, conquering and to conquer. With peace, he shall destroy many. I think the quote in the Bible is, with peace he shall destroy many. Remember that? So there are various ones. Uh, I mean, the... the the false prophet will work with the beast who's going to get in by proclaiming peace. Right. And what we've had, for example, one of the, I saw an article in the press a couple of days ago, and it was quoting uh, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 4, proving that uh, all Christians have to get unified right now, and this is what, what should happen. I'm going to just read Ephesians 4.13, because the person didn't fully quote it. it Starts in verse, it says, So we all come to unity of faith. Okay. So the Bible talks about a time of coming unity of faith. And to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, we don't become unified and perfect until after the resurrection. And people don't realize that Jesus said, You suppose I came to bring peace on earth. I didn't tell you I came to, not that, but division. Now, it's not that we're supposed to intentionally try not to get along, but the Bible repeatedly warns in the book of Revelation, for example, Revelation 8.14, to come out of mystery Babylon, lest you remember, uh, you receive her plagues, because God's remembered his iniquities. And in 2 Corinthians 6, it says we're not supposed to be un- yoked unequally with the unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with uh, lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial? In other words, you don't mix idol worship in with worship of Jesus. You mentioned Halloween toward the beginning of this uh, show. Today. Right. Yeah, so it's just... got, got this issue. It says, what, what agreement is the temple of God with idols? Well, the early churches, by the way, did not have idols. Right. Many people think that, for example, the Church of Rome or the Eastern Orthodox Church, you go into there and they have idols and icons all over the place. And oh, yeah. This is normal, and it, they, both of those religions claim to be the original faith. Yet, uh, there are, if you look in the early writings, Christians were condemned as atheists because they didn't have idols or anything along that line. And the Eastern Orthodox, by the way, claimed to be the Church of Seven uh, Councils, the Seven Councils. Well, the last council they called the victory of orthodoxy, and that was in order to get the Church of Rome to accept idols. Those who believe that these idols and stuff that are, in, for example, Roman Catholic Church and Eastern Orthodox churches uh, were there initially, that's not the case. That was simply not the case. Now, before the break, I was starting to talk about the Eastern Orthodox, and I was right. saying that they had a meeting in... Uh, uh, September of uh, 2009, and at that meeting, basically, uh, they decided to kind of support the ecumenical uh, movement, 
we moved closer toward the Church of Rome. This was a meeting was from September 15th to the 22nd of 2009. And then they had a, uh, then that was in uh, Greece. Then shortly thereafter, a couple other interesting things started to happen. The Vatican's top ecumenical uh, officer at that time, his name was uh, Cardinal Walter Casper, said that uh, the new the official dialogue between the Catholic Church and mainline Protestant churches, Anglican, Lutheran, Reformed, Methodist, starting a new phase. So, and I wonder if we may have started to see the rise of the white horse back then. And then the other thing that happened, which was kind of interesting, was that the Vatican and Orthodox began a new round of ecumenical negotiations back in October of uh, uh, 2009. So we see several things going on. And now there's one that I, I kind of kicked myself because I thought I should have known about this, but I didn't until this past week. Over in Germany, the Lutheran uh, World Federation decided to come up with something to commemorate the uh, Reformation. And so this started on November 1st, uh, I think it was yeah, November 1st of 2009 where they want 500 trees, they had wanted 500 trees to be sponsored and planted uh, to commemorate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Now, they didn't get all 500, by the way. When I checked their website a couple days ago, they got to 452. So I'm assuming they're still going to want more churches to participate. But anyway, the first church to pay to have a tree planted, well, actually the first tree was planted by that Roman Catholic Cardinal, Walter Casper. And then the second one was by a representative of the Orthodox Patriarch of Constantinople, which is considered to be basically the top of the Eastern Orthodox order. Then the third one was by a, a canon, Kenneth Karen of the Anglican community, and then head of world Reformed churches and Methodist churches and on and on and on, and various other churches went down and doing this. So we've seen a lot of things that happened then. And one of the things you and I were discussing on the break is the... This white horse, horseman, uh, represents uh, false Christianity and uh, the false prophet. And whether it's the, a current pontiff or a future one, will be the, we'll, we'll have to see. But the current pope has actually offended many Catholics because of his positions on uh, divorce, uh, homosexuality, and it's something you and I co- covered here once before is he indicated that, or he stated that an atheist could be saved if they were good. <laughs> and, you know, according to the Bible, and by the way, this is true from Roman Catholic and Protestant translations of the Bible, uh, there's only one name under heaven by which you can be saved, and that's Jesus, so you can't be saved as an atheist. <laughs> You're going to have every, uh, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. <laughs> Instead, we're seeing more and more the, the facts don't matter, the truth doesn't matter, and for those who are Roman Catholic, it's, I find it interesting if you look at Roman Catholic prophecies. Many Roman Catholic prophecies, by the way, warn that an anti-pope is going to rise up. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, they have a chocolate block full. You can just stick to Catholic prophecies alone, and you can see that this pope, that's why a number of Catholic cardinals are even breaking with Rome right now in America. And there's an entire division called the Pentalpha Division that have converted to Islam with a plan to make the super Abrahamic religion that will eventually be linked to all religions on earth, which is why this Pope and previous ones have had ceremonies with Buddhists and shamans and all kinds of things, because they believe it's a super religion. That's just like all Masonic orders. 
you can worship on the book of the Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishads, the Book of the Dead. Uh, it doesn't matter if, as long as it's a holy book, including the Quran. It could care; they could care less because they believe that their demonic, druidic kind of Masonic organization makes the super religion more important than the so-called initially designated religion, whether it's Catholicism, Roman Catholicism, Islam, etc. They don't care. Well, well, the Bible prophesies that we're going to see signs and lying wonders, and those who did not have the love of the truth would be deceived by these things. I mean, you mentioned uh, Hindus and uh, Buddhists and uh, Muslims. Right. Uh, as far as the Hindus go, and I may have said this on your show once, but I've, I was in uh, Bali, Indonesia, a few years ago back. Right. And I asked, uh, I asked this Hindu. I said, "Look, the Church of Rome thinks you guys are going to accept uh, their religion eventually. They have prophecies about this. What do you think?" And I thought he was going to just, you know, get his guard up and say, "Of course not. That's absurd." He said, "Well, it kind of depends on how they word things and and what we think of what they're really doing." So I thought that was interesting. So we got, I realized he doesn't represent all Hindus, but so there's about a billion Hindus, and they're like, yeah, we can probably we can probably put up with that. Now, the tougher one, obviously, for the Church of Rome is, is trying to deal with Islam. But this is one of the reasons why I think the present pope has been uh, pretty pro-Palestinian, right. and not as uh, pro-Israel, uh, as certainly people in Israel would like to see. Also, when you look at the current catechism of the Catholic Church, it's actually kind of positive toward Islam. Now, I may right. have said this on your show before. It's, it's, uh, it's Sharia and Muslim compliant, isn't it? Well, not quite. But what, it, what, what gets me is that, on the one hand, they say relatively positive things about Islam in the catechism of the Catholic Church. But there's only one doctrine. In the current catechism of the Catholic Church, this is the one that Pope Benedict XVI, who's now the Emeritus Pope, uh, put together under Pope John Paul II. And that one doctrine of Antichrist is to teach any version of the millennium. Not, you know, the false religion. <laughs> just anything to do with millennium. That's the only doctrine of Antichrist in the current catechism of the Catholic Church. Oh, really? That's interesting. And we'll talk about and the Islam side when we come back. Well, wow, anything about millennium. That's interesting. I hear the bumper bumping us. We'll be back in just a minute. Let's get into the uh, facts here you mentioned on the break. Uh, go ahead. Okay, so before the break I was explaining that uh, in the current catechism of the Catholic Church, the only doctrine associated with Antichrist is not the Koran, it's not Islam. It's teaching the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, which we read about in Revelation chapter 20, and early church leaders, including many the Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox considered to be saints, taught that. Right. Well, anyway, it's called like the Sabbath the millennium, and basically, like a week, it's a Sabbath day. This is a Sabbath millennium, is what you're saying. Correct, and, and early Christians and, and people who profess Christ understood that. And anyway, but as far as Islam goes, 
in, in this whole ecumenical thing, you pointed out the fact that the, the intent is to make it into a, an interfaith kind of thing. So let me read right. a couple things from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This is number 839. This is from the Vatican.va, by the way. In case you wonder, this is from the, I'm reading from the Vatican's website. Right. Those who have not yet received the gospel are related to the people of God in many ways. Here's number 841. The church's relations with the Muslims. The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator in the first place, among whom are Muslims. These profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us, they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge, on the last day. Right, so they call God Allah, which is actually the name of the moon word God of Mecca and Medina, the same as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that's academically and spiritually not true. But this is what they're teaching. Again, I know it's, a, from the it's completely Vatican's uh, website at this instant. You could, and I also have a hard copy of the It's book a complete, complete apostasy. If anybody yeah, knows it's, Islam, it's, it's not true. And this is, uh, I can continue, it says, verse eight, this is number 842. The church's bond with non-Christian religions is in the first place the common origin and the end of the human race. All nations form but one community because God created everybody. We all share a common destiny. Okay? And so it is to extend designed against the day when the elect are gathered in one holy city Catholic Church recognizes in other religions that search for the God who is unknown and he wants all to be saved thus the church considers all goodness and faith found in those religions as for preparation for the gospel and given by him who enlightens all men that they may have life so the church of Rome is basically saying look these pagan religions and these people who follow all this stuff this is God is preparing them with paganism for his way, well, well, what about the Muslims who died yesterday, last year, who were killed in the Crusades? What about the Buddhists who died before? What about all these people? Uh, and on one hand, you could the Catholic Church teaches outside the church there is no salvation. By the way, that's a quote I'm also reading from the Vatican's website. I'm looking at it right now. Right. Yet, so when you read this, most people say, okay, they're saying, okay, if you're not part of the church realm, you don't get saved. But you got the Pope going around saying, well, the Lutherans are all right, and so the Anglicans, yeah. if they agree with us. Yeah, he's, he's even made statements in the last two years that even atheists can get right. into heaven if they're nice people. But So apparently the implication that I'm gaining from all this is that they're going to basically say, if, if the false prophet says you're okay, you're okay, it doesn't matter what you believe. If you get along with the false prophet and the beast that's going to rise up, it's okay. And yeah, well, the, 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 the Pope I put this knowledge as superscriptura, which means in Latin that it's above the scriptures in the Bible, and the interpretation is plain in English. And well, and well, I'll, I'll, I'll do the converse of that one, which is uh, the cry supposedly of the Reformation was sola scriptura, but Martin Luther, by the way, and right. Lutherans officially do not believe in the millennium either. <laughs> Just to let you know, they they oppose, they condemn the millennium. Uh, at a Lutheran council in the 16th century. Now, the reality is a lot of Protestants and people, for example, in the Church of God, we're not Protestant, but we, we believe in the millennium. Uh, so there's our, there are Protestants. There's even some Eastern Orthodox who believe in the millennium, by the way, even though officially their church doesn't believe in it as well. But the Lutherans right. officially don't believe in it. Uh, the Catholics officially are teaching against it. And so we've got this one world religion that's not related to the Bible that much. Oh, they 
they quote the Bible from time to time, and they try to tell you that it's about the Bible. But it's not. This is a political movement. Uh, if you look in the book of Revelation, chapter 16, we find out that the, the spirit of demons that look like frogs that are coming out of the mouth of the beast and the false prophet and Satan. And that's what this is all based on. Now, we haven't seen certain signs and lying wonders, but I see we're getting closer and closer for them. Uh, about uh, four weeks ago, over in Portugal, they had the 100th anniversary of uh, the so-called miracle of the sun of Fatima. And Pope right. Francis was endorsing that. And they're trying to set people up for the fact that the Church of Rome and some related churches are going to have signs and lying wonders, and people should accept those as proof. Well, I, I, if you actually read about the vision, the vision actually sounded like UFO-type objects. And it's my feeling that the real thing that the Pope is going to push forward with the super church is an alien gospel, literally. And that he's going to. And if you actually read about the Mount Graham telescope and the Arecibo telescope and what the Vatican and their tele- telescopers and astronomers preach and their alien gospel, you have to realize they have what we call you know ancient documents that point to their philosophy that we are literally a co-creation by God's anointed uh, cherubs that actually recreated man to a higher level. That in fact, their alien gospel is we need to be evangelized by alien beings from other worlds. That's what the Vatican is preaching. And people don't understand that this is one way of welding all the religions together to an alien gospel and bringing a new world order based on this philosophy. Well, that's, I, would still, I would say that that still remains a minority position within the Vatican, but I will... That's what they're trying to push, though. So when, when first contact happens, and it's going to happen, this is the event that the Vatican is just itching and waiting for. Because this will be the fulcrum event that will try to weld all the religions on earth together. And anything other than the super religion will be considered anathema or illegal. And those who are outside this so-called big tent church will be considered basically unsaved. Even if you don't have any specific religious belief, you have to believe in this so-called big tent belief system that yeah, of, of their, their gospel of alien creation. I certainly agree with you that they they want this whole big tent idea. As far as uh, from from space, let me throw out something that's slightly different. Basically, biblical prophecy and uh, uh, Eastern Orthodox prophecy. You know, the Bible says that uh, that the, the beast is going to rise up with signs and lying wonders, and uh, people are going to uh, be deceived and they're going to uh, believe this. This is in Second Thessalonians chapter two. Interestingly, Eastern Orthodox prophecy says that there will be a sign, there'll be signs in the heavens. And I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but I'm just right. going to tell you this Orthodox prophecy. They say there's going to be signs in the heavens. There'll be a voice from the heavens. Now, you can call right. it an alien, but they're going to say it's God. If I, if oh, I, of course they are. It. You have to look at the hat on the top of the Pope's head. The, the hat on the head of the Pope is an amphibious reptilian god from the star system Orion, which is the ancient Druidic gods called the Naga, the Ishetahuri of South African Credo uh, Mutwa, etc., and the uh, and the Dagan, which are basically the, what the Palestinians worshipped. Remember the Temple of Dagan, where the right, where the, 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 the fishhead. Fish that fishhead basically refers to the 200 that landed on Mount Hermon. They're not just spirit beings; they're actual physical beings with advanced technology. And this is the gospel, basically going back to documents that I know about that are classified. They go back to Alexandria. And the Vatican has, and the largest library on earth is the Vatican Library. They believe this dogma, 
And when first contact happens, the Vatican's going to seize on it to seize all religions on earth under this one tent. Well, That's what they're getting ready for. Getting back to what the Orthodox teach and their prophecy, which I believe the Orthodox prophecy is uh, relatively consistent with the Scripture if it's going to happen. They teach that there will be a voice coming out of the heavens. Now, what right. are they going to claim? It's an alien, an angel, God? I suspect they're going to say it's God or an angel, but I don't know what they're well, the word, the word, But the word angel just means messenger. Messenger, right. Messenger. The messenger. And a messenger cannot just be a spirit messenger. It can be a physical messenger. I believe first contact is going to be physical enough that everybody will be in a state of spiritual, religious, and apoplectic intelligence shock. And therefore, it'll be easy to convince people this lie is the truth. The great apostasy which is coming is first contact. They teach that there'll be a sign in the heavens that people will actually physically be able to see. And because right. of that, and that people will be asked to accept this, and it most sadly will. Right, exactly. So we are telling people in advance that this apostatic lie is being pushed by the World Council of Churches, the United Nations, the Vatican's the head of the World Health Council. They funded it with the United Nations, and they're getting ready to capture all religions on earth under this tent. And by the way, once they get the, the Mahdi, he claims to support the Jewish sacrifice in the Temple Mount and wants to set up his, his uh, caliphate and Mount of Olives where Jesus ascended. This is all coming in the near future. I can't tell you how many months or years, but it's coming quickly. So, believe it or not, all these events are leading to the events we see in the Bible. Amazing, eh? Improve your focus, your memory, your sleep. A catalyst to improve your brain chemistry. Dr. Bill's Cognition Plus is truly the smarter-in-an-hour pill. A combination of amino acids, trace minerals, and B vitamins, Cognition Plus is made with specialized herbal extracts that will enhance and support brain function. Our customers say, I feel more focused. My memory's getting better. I can work longer with more useful hours. Power up your neurotransmitters that have been depleted, like dopamine and norepinephrine. Simulate the release of others, like serotonin and oxytocin. Improve circulation and energy production. Protect your mind and your loved ones today. Order Dr. Bill Deagle's Cognition Plus at 888-212-8871 or go online to NutriMedical.com. That's 888-212-8871 or NutriMedical.com. And listen to the NutriMedical Report on the Genesis Radio Network with open lines every weekday. NutriMedical.com, bringing nutrition and medicine together.